Hi, we're Nicole, Camille, and Brianne, your instructors and hosts for the Support Night School podcast. We created this podcast to help people get into online customer support. In the last episode, we talked about tools you'll want to become familiar with. We also gave you some homework to sign up for a Help Desk's free trial. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a common issue that you may be familiar with already, burnout. We're also going to dive a little deeper and discuss some less obvious challenges that you may find while working in support and tips for how to navigate them. Stick with us though. We're going to end on a high note and talk about the amazing community of support professionals and what an incredible resource that community can be for you. Camille, burnout is a topic you've spent a lot of time thinking and speaking about. You want to start us off with a short summary of what burnout is and maybe tell us why it interests you and what you've learned about it over the years? Sure, Nicole. I think people are familiar with the idea that customer support is an area where you were helping a lot of people. And I think also, you know, we have these very comedic, humorous depictions of customer support people being kind of overwhelmed and, you know, in general, customers are where people, I think people who want to go into this line of work really want to, not just have to, are really enthusiastic about the idea of helping people solve their problems. But a lot of times when you're the kind of person who wants to help a lot, that can be extremely exhausting. And I think a lot of people at this point have heard a lot about burnout and it's an idea that was brought to the table by Dr. Christina Maslach. She defines burnout as a psychological syndrome involving emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and a diminished sense of personal accomplishment. She goes on and outlines six major causes of burnout. The first one is a a lack of control, and these are in no particular order. But their six are lack of control, Feeling like someone else is always at the steering wheel is the way I would summarize that. The second one is absence of fairness, some unbalanced or opaque system for resolving disputes or making decisions in your organization. Third is conflict in values, you not being aligned with the group's leadership or the organization's direction. Fourth is insufficient reward, feeling like you gave way more than you got back. Fifth is work overload, which I think we mostly associate with burnout, the idea that too much is on your plate. The sixth and final cause of burnout is a lack of community. So I would group these six major causes of burnout into three major buckets. The first uh, three being under getting your needs met, that's the way I think of it. The second, under self-care. And finally, loneliness or lack of support. So three major headings I'd put there. Getting your needs met is something that Nicole, I think a little later, is going to talk about. And as we mentioned, we're ending on a high note talking about community. So we'll address loneliness and lack of support then. I'm going to talk about self-care. And under that heading, if you might recall, I have insufficient reward, the idea that you're giving more than you get back, and also work overload, too much on your plate. How do we address these two issues and make sure we're caring for ourselves so we don't burn out? In the first episode, you may recall that we talked about a lot of the benefits we get out of working at a startup. Flexibility in work, 
oftentimes more favorable pay and lots of other kind of goodies along the way. So in thinking about self-care as regards rewards and feeling like you're getting compensated and not taking on more than you need to, I really urge you, if you have one of these jobs that we've talked about, providing support at a startup where maybe they have unlimited vacation or wellness benefits, if they pay for your gym, if they pay for your health insurance, to make sure you're availing yourself of everything they're offering you there. Talk to your HR team, if you can, your people team, sometimes it's called a startup, and find out what all they offer. Oftentimes, a really great people leader, and I hope you have one at the company you go to work at, they'll be able to sit down with you. You can even just say the word burnout. Type the word burnout in the Slack to them, <laughs> and they might something might just pop up to you. I think it's very important, and we'll continue to talk about this. I'm going to share some tips towards the end about how to prevent burnout in the first place. In addition to self-care through the benefits you get at work, there may just be an issue with pay. I have some great resources that I can share about how to have the sometimes uncomfortable conversation about salary. So I'll drop those in the show notes at our website, supportnightschool.com. And we'll talk a little bit more in the next sections about other ways to think about getting your needs met in an organization. And also finally, how to build community. Brianne, what do you think? How do you prevent burnout? Yeah, thanks, Camille. I think the thing to understand is that Everyone needs support and support folks need support too. People can tend to denigrate a customer support job. They think that it's very easy to do and it doesn't require a lot of thought, but in reality, it requires a lot of creative problem solving. Um, you have to solve the customer's needs, right? Like they're coming in asking you anything and you have to translate that into something that makes sense for the product that you're supporting. You're also multitasking. You have to have a million tickets open at any given point in time and you're working on a lot of different issues. And you also have to craft really thoughtful emails or have thoughtful communication over the phone. So it's a lot, right? It takes a lot of energy to do this job. Camille said earlier, the support role has a natural affinity for people who want to help other people and solve their problems. But you have to be realistic and you have to be prepared to really understand what that means. For me, what I like to do is, and this is if the company culture allows it, right? Sometimes the company culture may not allow it, but if it does, and you can have time outside the queue to work on other projects or professional development, it could really help you get out of the doldrums of the same thing every day, day to day. And it's something that you and your, and your boss or your team lead can discuss so that you're focusing on the highest priority projects that would make the biggest impact to your team and to the company, right? So that your boss and everyone above your boss sees that spending time out of the queue is also a valuable use of your time. So boundaries are very, very important, but I think the thing to remember is there's always gonna be another email you have to log off, you have to rest, close the laptop and, and go. <laughs> Take a walk. What about you, Nicole? Yeah, I think you made some great points. And the term you used, boundaries, is perhaps a theme that's going to recur throughout this episode and, and perhaps even further episodes for us. So thank you for sharing. I agree, you know, with what you mentioned about finding what interests you and figure out how to do more of that. For me, I need a lot of variety in the work that I do. So that's one reason that support was such a great fit is because each ticket conversation, it was a, a new problem to solve. And I could 
fix it, resolve it, close it, and move on to the next thing. But also in terms of getting out of the queue, I like to learn new things. So, you know, just being able to start contributing to the knowledge base and editing articles or contributing to the team in other ways, becoming more interested in the operations of the actual team. So I think taking the time to think about what you enjoy doing, what excites you, what gives you energy, and how to incorporate more of that can be really helpful and go a long way in preventing burnout. I also think that in terms of what the work actually entails, responding to customers, the transactional mindset is something else that can contribute to burnout. So when we think of our job just as going into the queue and crushing or smashing as many tickets as we can, and just thinking about the number and that goal of success is I closed this many tickets today. Is that really success? What value are you getting from thinking of it in in those terms? And can you shift your mindset to something that provides a little bit more stimulation? So identifying patterns in those requests and, and bubbling those up or thinking about anticipating future needs of a customer. And, and we'll continue to dive deeper into these conversations. And especially in our next episode, we'll dive deeper into this. But thinking about it more in terms of you have a lot of value to provide in this role and your job is not simply to answer as many tickets as you can. And then lastly, I just want to share with our listeners that you might have the best self-care strategies in your toolbox, but if you're at an organization that doesn't value your role, your team, your resources, then there's not a whole lot that you might be able to do in order to prevent it. And so just be mindful of that and what your needs are. This topic also reminds me of a talk called Predict Team Capacity and Prevent Burnout. And this was by Justin Grunier. But something that he said in that talk really stuck to me and has stuck with me since. And he said that capacity planning is an act of love. And it's true. As a manager, it's your responsibility to anticipate these things and give your team that space in order to prevent it. And Of course, our managers have restrictions uh, of their own that they have to, and limitations that they have to work within, but we all have a responsibility to do, and that is part of theirs. And he also said that bad decisions matter. And so it is a lot of pressure on a manager, but it's something that we should feel comfortable having honest conversations about. And all of us are learning all of the time. So if you're someplace where you don't feel supported, start by having those tough conversations. Sometimes we just, we can't put ourselves in all shoes and, and be all knowing. And so, you know, hopefully you work someplace where the folks that you work with are willing to have a conversation and just start that and come from a place of honesty and, and go from there and see what can be done. So burnout is a topic that a lot of folks may have already heard about. It's something that's not necessarily industry specific. It can happen anywhere. It is a common topic in support for some of the reasons that we talked about. I think it would also be helpful for our listeners to hear about some of the not so obvious challenges that they may eventually come across if they're working in support for a while. So Brianne, do you want to tell us a little bit about other challenges you've come across in your career, in your experience, and 
maybe some tips for folks if they do find themselves in a similar position? Yeah, I think first you have to know that unless you're working for a real dumpster fire of a company, most customers are not coming in angry. For the angry customers that do come in, it's most likely not about you. So you have to, you have to take some things with a grain of salt and do things every single day to help keep you on a level playing field and help keep you within a certain range so you don't even get to burnout. So there's a lot of tips on like how to deal with angry customers on, on blogs. I, I'll link Intercom's blog, HubSpot, Help Scout. Those three, I just, I love so much. But let's talk about the internal frustration and the negative coping mechanisms that someone might endure going through a support job. If you are quick-tempered, you could get an email and it could set you off, right? And you go into a little bit of a, of a rage and that helps no one. It doesn't help you craft a, a good response for the customer. So it doesn't help the customer and it doesn't help your boss because your boss is seeing that your emotional intelligence is not where it needs to be to handle conversations like that. You have to identify your negative coping mechanisms and, and, and create alternatives for those that re-energize you, that give you strength, that calm you down. Um, I don't know if you've heard of stop, start, continue, but you identify things that you want to stop doing, things that you want to start doing, things that you want to continue doing. For example, if you're not taking a lunch break, right? Start. Do something you enjoy, like walking or exercise. If you're always working late, stop. Dedicate the last few minutes every day to prepare for what you have to do the next day, right? So that you start the day in a calm and, and secure place. I think the thing that I want to impress upon everyone is put your oxygen mask on yourself first. They always tell people that on the plane, put the oxygen mask on yourself first, and then you could put it on other people. You can't be your best self and support customers the way they need to be supported and support your teammates the way they need to be supported if you're not taking care of yourself every single day. Support folks need support too, like the watchman who supports the support team. You have to lean on your teammates, lean on each other. Uh, you know what you're going through, right? Each of you knows what the other is going through. In addition to that, there are other strategies that you can employ in dealing directly with customers. And then I think Camille is gonna go into a little bit about um, how you can make those adjustments. Camille? There are definitely going to be either bad customers or customers that test you a little bit, challenges that customers have that you can't quite tackle. And in those cases, it's important that you not feel alone. And I have three sort of escalating strategies that I think you might wanna try when you're dealing with a tough customer. First, if you're mostly dealing with customers through a ticket system, a Zendesk or a Help Scout, if a customer is having a particularly thorny issue, maybe you can offer them the opportunity to jump on a video call with you or actual call. There's a great tool called Loom and other tools similar. If they are having a particular issue, something on a screen, you can't see what they're seeing. They can't do the screen share. If they could send you a little screen capture video, screen capture image, I think that's a great way to move things forward. So almost moving into another language, be like, all right, we have language A that we're using through these tickets, but that's not quite working. So I want to understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, as Chris Tucker once said. So sometimes, you know, a picture tells, it is worth a thousand words, they say. So if you can get an image from them or do a screen share, get visual. The benefit with a screen share too is that they can see you and you can see them and you guys both remember you're human. 
after that, the second strategy I'd say is try to escalate. If you're one of our listeners, you may be a more junior support person. Loop in one of your more senior teammates if you've got a senior teammate or someone else from an adjacent team. If it's an engineering issue, if you've got a particularly friendly person on engineering, bring them in. You're not alone. You shouldn't be alone. So try and escalate. Any good manager should be there for you. Loop them in as necessary. I know let me talk to your manager is a common kind of thing people think about when they think about doing customer care, but sometimes the best thing is to let them talk to your manager. The third strategy I'd suggest, and you're going to have to do this in partnership with your manager and oftentimes with senior management, is considering firing the customer. There's a great talk that was given at a conference called SUPCONF that I spoke at many years ago by a wonderful person called Lance Consett. He has great guidelines for how to fire a customer. And the idea really is that you've got someone coming in who's just being abusive, someone who's disrespectful to you, maybe even disrespectful to your manager, someone who maybe is saying something inappropriate. And I think we have examples of that. There's definitely been issues of racism, sexism, things like that on support desks. If you've got someone who's just not treating you or your peers with respect, it may be time to either give that person to start a a warning. And if it's a repeat offender, it might be time to say goodbye. So those are three strategies. Again, I'll go over that list. It's offer alternative ways, preferably ones where you can see something rather than just read words, escalate, bring in more experienced folks, and finally, maybe just get rid of the customer. Nicole? Thanks, Camille. Those are definitely some situations that we may have may be familiar with or have experience in. And I think it's also worth reiterating, by and large, most of the feedback that we have received from customers throughout our career is largely positive. I've actually been really surprised at how grateful customers can be for your support and your help and receiving great support. So listen to this with uh, that grain of salt in mind and know that we're talking about kind of the hopefully the most um, extreme circumstances that you might come across on on occasion. Another common challenge is determining whether support at your company has a seat at the table or a voice. I think we might hear that term, a seat at the table, but what does that actually mean? It means that when the business is making decisions that impact you and the customer, is there somebody in that room or virtual room that is familiar with your struggles, your role, the challenges that you face and that your customers face, who can be your advocate and your champion? Not every decision that is made is going to be in line with what we think should happen. Oftentimes, there's a lot of context that we're not privy to, and we won't understand why a particular decision would be made. But I think it comes back down to understanding what your needs are in the workplace and understanding what your boundaries are and taking that time to be mindful of it and say, how, how many times, if any, have my boundaries been crossed? Are all my needs being met? Do I think that there's room for improvement realistically in this role for my needs to be met? And understanding that it's always, you can reevaluate that fit at all times. If you're not sure where to start, 
And we're talking about assess your needs and your boundaries. And you're like, what does that even mean? There are some great structured ways to, to actually do that. I used to schedule this because it's really easy to, to kind of forget and you know get in the swing of things and not think about it. So schedule maybe quarterly, a, a little internal review, sit down and look because these things will change and you can see how they change and evolve with the company with your management, with your team, as those are all in flux. So we'll include some of those resources in the show notes here as well. Nicole, that was really good. And it brought to mind some of the tips that I share to prevent burnout. I'm absolutely guilty of just taking on too many things. Nicole and Brianne already know. (laughs) I think I was like cooking dinner and chasing after my son as we were recording this. But I have learned over the years that I need to take on less. It's still a work in progress. But as relates to longer term commitments, there's four criteria that I use. And I know them off the top of my head because I repeat them all the time. And it's time, growth, safety, and fun. Time means, do I have time for this? And I am so guilty of this in my personal calendar and in my work calendar. It's just meeting Tetris or it's commitment Tetris where I'm like, you have a thin sliver here. I'm going to do it. And you're like, what am I going to pee? What am I going to eat? Sit down, do an inventory. Nicole talked about that a little bit. The idea that you would sit down and reassess situations change all the time. So get your situational report down, write it down with a pen and paper, or you know, you can type it. So time is the first one, growth. I was recently blessed enough to have free time on my hands and the amount of people that wanted to quote unquote, pick my brain. It's flattering in a lot of ways, but what am I getting out of it? So I've been having to more and more ask myself, or am I going to grow in the ways I want to grow? The next one is safety. How is this, if I'm joining an organization, a company, a board, How are decisions made? Will I have a voice to the point that Nicole made a seat at the table? Am I joining an organization where either I or the person I'm reporting to really has a voice there? I want to assess that before I join a group. And finally, fun. Fun is about finding your people, people that make you laugh, people that challenge you, people that are interesting, that you're like, I want to know more about these people. So those four, again, are time, growth, safety and fun. That's a great one I use to just fend off burnout and also think about what I really want to get myself involved with. Brianne, I know you probably got some great tips and productivity ideas about how to tackle this. Oh, Camille. I think <laughs> I think the important thing that you said there, I mean, you said a lot of important things, but one of the, the important things you said is what matters to you? What are you getting out of things, right? I think no one, let's be realistic, no one is actually good at self-care or not real self-care. Bath bombs, candles, you know, they're great, right? Go get a manicure. That's great, but they're not for everyone. I'm a bit of a tomboy, right? So I need other ways to get all of that anxious, frustrated energy out. So for me, it's being outdoors. I want to go hiking. I want to go swimming. I want to go walking. Like it really is the opportunity to find whatever works for you and pull that into your life and make it a part of your life. It just makes everything else easier to deal with. Yeah, that is very, very true. And maybe you can even meet some fellow hiking, camping, swimming, or yoga enthusiasts in one of the online communities for support folks. 
really excited to transition actually to this last topic today, which is the wonderful community of support professionals. And perhaps unsurprisingly, most folks who are in the customer support world actually enjoy helping others. Go figure. Sometime around 2015 or 2016, I stumbled upon this Slack community called Support Driven that was created for people doing the same type of work as me, facing similar challenges, having similar professional goals, and wanting to learn from one another. And this group has continued to grow exponentially since then and provide me with value and inspiration both professionally and personally over the years and even through a few changes in roles. As an example, in there, you'll find channels dedicated to certain tools that we talked about in the last episode. You'll find a channel for specifically dedicated to talking about knowledge bases and how to build those out successfully, career advancement, leadership, and so much more. For me, seeing what others were up to in there inspired me to do things like write blog posts for different sites, to want to speak at a conference, to advocate for my promotion, and ultimately give me the confidence to start my own business most recently. In terms of professional development, one of my favorite additions to that community over the years has been a program called Aspire, and that's a mentorship program. So you can actually apply to be mentored by somebody or to mentor somebody else. I think a few of us have actually done been on both sides of that equation, and it has been an invaluable experience. You have value no matter what stage of your career to provide others. In these uh, relationships that developed with my mentors and mentees, we've stayed in touch. You know, we became friends and, and continued to touch base and check in with each other. And in every one of those circumstances, we all found value from one another and we were teaching each other. I would highly recommend that to anybody that's in the support world and looking to improve their skills. The last kind of perk that I'll mention, there are many more about the support-driven community specifically, is the fact that they have a really active job board or job channel. It's very active. You see a lot of variety in the roles that are shared there, but it's my always my number one recommended job board for people to start if they're looking for a role in support. Brianne, tell me about the communities that you have enjoyed being a part of and you know, tell us about what that experience has been like for you. Yeah, before I moved to North Carolina, you know, in 2007, I hadn't heard of Meetup. I hadn't heard of startups. I didn't know what that was because I was in biotech. And so when I finally started to get into technology and into customer support, I kind of thought my problems were only mine, right? Like I didn't understand that the frustrations that I was going through, that I would like everyone has the same frustrations and and time and time again i've gone to local meetups with peers i've gone to um you know support specific meetups and it's just so nice to see that other people share your frustration they can give you tips on what has worked for them what hasn't worked for them um, and it gives you the opportunity to experiment maybe with some new ideas, right, on your support team. Maybe you want to think about structuring it differently. Maybe you want to think about escalations differently because, you know, it's not working for your product the way you have it now. I met a lot of people there. I meet a lot of people at meetups. Keeping that connection, keeping that network of people in your life is really invaluable. The other thing I will say is 
there are also future job opportunities, right? Or future hires. I think, I think Nicole and Camille mentioned this a little bit earlier. You can go to local meetups and meet people and fill a job role, right? Like immediately. Or you can go and see that another company is hiring and, ooh, their team is more functional than my, mine is dysfunctional. I'm going to go over there. Um, and you wouldn't know it unless you, unless you got out into the community and you met with your peers in real time. One other thing that is pretty cool that Camille has already mentioned are support specific conferences. They are the bomb. They are an extension of local meetups. So Camille, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the conferences there are in support. There's so much to get out of conferences. Some of it overlaps with what Brianne mentioned, where you're maybe you can get a new job. You also connect with people. I think the first thing really is it's a place to learn. You sometimes get people who are at the top of their game and you're learning how they tackle it. I know I've been able to connect with folks that I just dreamed of connecting by being at a conference where you have what they call like the hallway track or the lobby track. So you hear their talk, they just grab them you can say, that was a great talk. And they'll oftentimes engage you. What do you think was great? So you almost kind of get to touch your heroes or start to talk to people who could be mentors in the future. You know, at a meetup, oftentimes people are on their home base they might have to go back home, feed their dogs, clean out the litter, go take care of them kids. But at a conference, you are frequently in a hotel. A lot of people are in the same hotel and they're kid-free, dog-free, cat-free, parrot-free and happy to do a little bit longer of a deep dive. I've had some great conference experiences where I'm just really connecting with people that I maybe talk to on the support-driven Slack or people I'd even met up with in a meetup. But because you're away from home and people need to know where to get dinner, people sometimes want to get a drink, that gives you more sustained time to really connect with your peers and start to grow your network. So I think very fondly of conversations I've had at conferences that I wouldn't have had anywhere else where we could really talk deeply about our careers, how we wanted to grow them. So a few conferences that I'll shout out right now and I'll link to them are first and foremost, of course, any of the support driven conferences. Those have been great. Another really great conference is an independent one called Elevate. I know that Guru, which is a tool I think we've mentioned in the past, has a conference called Empower. I spoke at that conference a couple of years back. Also Zendesk, the big support tool we talked quite a lot about. They do a conference called Relate. It's another one where you can just meet a support professionals from people who are Fortune 500 companies all the way down to really small mom and pop shops. So lots of great conferences, lots of great ways to connect and build a network beyond your local community, beyond people that are just words and, and avatars on a Slack screen, but folks that will really advocate for you, who will make up the backbone of your LinkedIn crew, who when you say, I'm ready for my next challenge, will be like, all right, I got something for you. So definitely look into conferences. Companies have money. Companies are more than happy to send you there. You're going to grow and bring those experiences back to benefit them. So if you have a boss that's maybe on the fence, let them know. I'm, 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 wanting, I'm trying to grow for you guys by going there. But of course, wink, wink, you're growing for yourself. You all can't see us right now, but Brianne and I are over here nodding our head up and down because those were just that, yep, yes, absolutely. great points, great points, Camille. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's really hard for me to express and describe the amount of energy that I that I get from going to some of these events for the reasons that you mentioned. You know, hopefully after today's episode, you realize that there are many great reasons to join support. 
take the time to be mindful of your needs, your desires, and to practice boundaries. It's going to be worth it in the long run. Like any job, there's going to be challenges, but having such a supportive community to help you navigate and celebrate your wins goes a really long way in building a satisfying career. Your homework today is going to be to join a support community, support-driven, or maybe another that we can mention in our show notes, or to join a support meetup. Really get yourself out there and, and start talking to other people and, and networking. So that's all for today. In our next episode, we'll be covering one of my favorite topics, resources for growth and support and professional development resources. Until next time, class is dismissed.